talk flirty to me. Hello. I'm always the one to start this. <laughs> it's kind of your podcast. I'm your sidekick. Uh, sure. It is. <laughs> would I have a podcast called Talk Flirty to Me? I don't know. Would you? No. I'm your, I'm your tag along. <laughs> well, speaking of, welcome to the podcast. Hi, everybody. Talk Flirty to Me. I am Sean Murphy. I am Katana Collins. And we are a married couple, which I don't know that we've ever actually said that on the podcast. Like, oh, I don't... it's not in the bio? I mean, I think we say like we're a couple. I don't know that we actually say like married couple. Oh, husband and wife team. Freelancers working from home. Yeah, both way writers. Too much time together. God, it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go play pinballs tonight, but no, Sean wanted to record a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get some of these out of the way. I feel like we've been uh, not following through with our podcast schedule. The problem is... I'm going to take it seriously. I feel like I should commit. The problem is we keep saying that we're going to like batch and record a bunch at once. Mm -hmm. And then we do one. And because we don't start till 8 p.m., like Mm -hmm. we do it after work, like we're just not going to record more than one in the evening after work. Mm -hmm. So so this is us correcting that. Are we recording more than one tonight? Sure, we'll do a surprise one after. <laughs> That's not going to happen, you guys. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. How was is, how is Christmas? I mean, I asked that as if I wasn't there with you. Good, you were with me. You were, saw the whole thing. Um, got on a plane, went to North Carolina, visited your family. Usually yep. we do uh, every three years, we'll go down there. Then the next year we'll do my family. And then the next year we'll do just something you and me. Yeah, we try to do at least one. Yeah. Christmas that's um, our own tradition yeah. here at our house. But because I don't get along with my family, usually we'll just do two years of what we want to do and all. Well, now you just revealed our secret. Let's yeah. hope no one in my family listens. I, no one in my family is listening. No, this. I know no one in your family is. <laughs> <laughs> my family might be. Watch, here's how I know no one's listening. Dad, I'm coming over tonight to kill you with a knife. See, he's never going to hear that. Oh my that. God, if your dad dies tonight... By knife stabbing, From you are the wound. number one suspect. <laughs> it's like the beginning of a cozy murder mystery book. Mm-hmm. Officer, he doesn't listen to my podcast, therefore I'm not a suspect. <laughs> but <laughs> you listen to your own podcast. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, so it was fun. We went down to see my family. Sean got to play video games for like pretty much three days straight with my nephew. I was in charge of kid. Our, our nephew, I should say. Kid duty. No, he's your nephew. He's ours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, not great with kids. Well, I guess I am. No, you are. I mean, I have, I'm better with girls than I am with boys. I don't know if that's true. No. Maybe. No, I mean, I mean, you, you got along well with both of them, but like you helped Addie with her drawing and arts and crafts, and then you played video games with Harrison a bunch. Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Yeah, classic games. He, someone told me to go, he could kick my ass in Street Fighter, which I know to be a lie. <laughs> Who told you he could kick your ass? Uh, his father, Adam. Oh. <laughs> and I grew up on Street Fighter, so. Why would Adam say that? I don't know. <laughs> he was joking. I, don't know. I feel I, like that must have been sarcastic. I don't. Re- I can't read Adam all the time. He and I don't always have tight chemistry. <laughs> Slightly different senses of humor. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. Three days there. Let's see. You got me a set of cross-country skis to yep. try to make the winters here in Maine more bearable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my thoughts on uh, living in the cold is uh, you have to do things out in the cold that you enjoy. So uh, because I can mountain bike in the winter, I cross-country ski. And uh, on our street, where when it starts snowing, people would just clear out. And you have roads covered in snow, which you can just cross-country ski on. And there's a cemetery, and there's grass, and there's a park. So... I figured I'd get you a set of skis and make you do it with me. <laughs> you make me. I mean, I'm certainly not going to go as often as you go, but when I go, I have fun. Yep. Um, and then I got you this really nice sweater mm-hmm. um, and a few other little knickknacks, tchotchkes. Yep. You got me the um, comic, a rare comic. Oh, yeah. That's the sequel to Batman Mask of the Phantasm. It's called uh, Return of the Phantasm, and it was, uh, if I was prepared, I would know the title. <laughs> Hmm. but uh it's like batman adventures of robin number one it was oversized and it gives like a hypothetical conclu- um sequel to the movie which i thought was pretty interesting that's interesting yeah does you didn't know is, what you bought me well I, I know what you asked for and i thought it was just the mask of the phantasm story right like i thought it was just mm-hmm. they put the movie into a comic book yeah. type of thing yeah, no. So it, it has was, Andrea Beaumont. It does come back. It tells it picks up right where she disappears at the end with Joker. They basically fall into a sewer. There's more fighting. I guess uh, she disappears again. Um, they actually retcon some of it. 
So the part where Batman never cleared his name. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, they figured that out, yeah. Okay, no, barely. Commissioner Gordon has a line. He's like, oh, we just assumed it wasn't you because of blah, 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 blah. So therefore, you're innocent. You're in the clear. <laughs> <laughs> Forget the fact that we found you at the smoldering ruins of this World's Fair. Right. Right. We know you're a good guy, Batman. And I assume Batman and Andrea Beaumont never get together because Batman can never be happy in no. a relationship. So it makes them interesting. you got to keep them I don't know. Unhappy. I feel like at some point with a character, if they don't get a resolution... Yeah. Because, I mean, you can still have conflict when someone is in a couple. Right. It just... I don't, I don't know. Yeah, like the conflict between you and me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I got you that I, and the sweater, and then you got me a Canine Crunchies t-shirt. Oh, that's right. A the deep, deep cut from Disney. Yeah, from 101 Dalmatians, <laughs> the scene where they're Canine watching... Crunchies are cute. Um, the cereal or like pet food commercials on TV. This is a black and white commercial done in the style of like a 1940s. <laughs> and I thought this would be a good deep cut, nerd, kind of nerdy, but we don't want to get into how Ugh. Disney can't be nerdy. <laughs> also, we never talked about the guy who apparently on Twitter told me that I'm not, I'm not nerdy. He listened to the podcast and yep. he like tweeted at me and he was like, That's right. nice try, Katana. <laughs> not, yeah, we have one person I don't know respond. who you are, but I'm, you're not my favorite yeah. person. <laughs> Last time we, we said, uh, please write us on Twitter or whatever, tell us what you think. One person did and they basically sided with me. <laughs> not cool. <laughs> Well, what are you I do? never thought I'd be fighting for my own nerdiness. It's not something you want, Publicly. necessarily. <laughs> well, nerd culture didn't become cool until, I don't know, the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Now it's true. kind of acceptable. Well, I mean, I guess it comes in waves, right? Like, it's had to have been cool at some point before that. Like, Buddy Holly, that kind of nerdy. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I don't know. know. What should I think about that? Yeah, I think we're experiencing the first time this has ever happened where nerd culture... I don't think it's a cyclical thing that happens every hundred years where suddenly nerdy is cool. I don't remember reading any ancient it's Egyptian hieroglyphs. It's not like bell-bottoms. Where like, the nerds are running everything. Yeah, it's not like style <laughs> phases or fads. Or right now how like 90s clueless yeah. uh, fashion is now back. Grunge is kind of back. Overalls are back. I know. Hey, I saw low-rise jeans are back. Oh, really? For women. Oh, I'm uh, kind of happy about that. And I thought... When did they ever go away? As far as I'm concerned, they're still <laughs> I never the best. stopped wearing them. <laughs> Although I will say that whole like super low rise where mm -hmm. then you had your thong out, like the the whale tail. No, that's hot. <laughs> super trashy, but hot. <laughs> it's really trashy. <laughs> and I knew when I was getting old when I tried to go to I used to buy my jeans at um well, structure now it's called express express for men. for men. And I went in and they only had skinny, skinnier, skinniest, and oh, like gosh. you know, bulimic. <laughs> and um i hit a bunch oh, of stars so like not that funny. <laughs> and um oh, i blame culture there's a ton of people who are heftier that cannot fit into those i don't know what the, I who mean, they're selling them to it's crazy i i my body type looks better in a boot cut or yeah. a wide leg i mean i like skinny stuff just because like leggings are comfortable but right. i mean it's i'm i'm pretty curvy and i got some hips on me so like <laughs> you're, you're What's the right response at this point? Nothing. You're it's not just curvy? that's no. I'm <laughs> okay. I'm happy being curvy. Um, <laughs> it's just how it is. Like boot cut slash wide leg, they look better on me than yeah. a skinny jean. Um, yeah. So if boot cut comes back, I'll be super happy. Well, I so I finally went to Macy's and I bought boot cut low rise, and I know they're out of style. Or I don't, I don't know. think they actually are though. Like yeah. I mean, maybe that's just how old we are. Is that we're like the cool kid? We're like right. whatever. We're hip. Well, I have millennial friends who wear tight jeans, but they're baggy at the top. And it's like crotch, a jogger, jogger style. Kind of, well, is that the ones where the crotches come halfway down? A little more, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's baggier but and then like it's tight. tight at the ankles and they sometimes like pull them yeah. up to mid-calf. Like it doesn't show yeah. off your ass. It looks uncomfortable. It, it's it's how are you going to step over high objects with your legs limited in I motion? will say I like that style in sweatpants. Like the jogger style sweatpants that are tight at like the right. calves and the ankles that Wait, you pull up and they're they, like bigger. How are they jogging style? You're moving your legs in They're jog. not. You... I mean, you would never go jogging in them, but they're called jogger style right. and I don't know why. But you know what? That's the <laughs> other thing I could rant about is like exercise clothes for people that have no intent of exercising. Like, I mean, that's a huge part of fashion right now. Like the Lululemon yeah. um, leggings and active wear for if right. you're not. Like I wear active wear even when I'm not. Right. working out even though i do work out but like right yeah i think one of the only the few companies that make active wear that's actually does what it says it's gonna do <clears throat> they don't mess around are like like caterpillar companies that make work boots work clothes <laughs> eared heart or card heart 
Um, what are you talking about? There's lots of places that make like really good like running wear for winter that's like very warm even though it's a thin layer. Well, I had a Reebok um, uh, shell, rain shell on today that's waterproof and I would describe it as water resistant. Luckily, I was only out in the rain for 15 minutes with this thing. But if I was a hiker and trusting my life to staying dry and I buy, I accidentally buy a Reebok brand. And Reebok's not a small brand. Right. Like there's a lot of, there are clothing testers and hikers that take this stuff are out. Are you sure that what you had was supposed to be waterproof yes. and not water resistant? Oh, I, I checked after. That's just <laughs> how I am. <laughs> I don't know how we got on this topic. All right. I know. We, we're like way digressing. But to cap it off, I do think it's the best time to ever wear workout clothes because workout clothes makes you look like a superhero, you know? Like these pants I'm wearing? Right. Exactly. Like those. <laughs> so like if you had an X-Men movie in the mid-90s come out and they were wearing just shop and modern workout clothes with all like the lines and racing stripes and different yep. textures and scales and like Kevlar, whatever. Like all that stuff looks so cool. If you had that in a movie in the 90s, that would totally pass. As like a, futuristic. Yeah, superhero yeah, yeah. costume. You could see that. Like Marvel, Miss Marvel, whatever. Like that stuff's probably stuff you can kind of find on the shelf if you look hard enough. Yeah. Deadpool. Oh man, speaking of, you just showed me, you you made me watch the Avengers Infinity War last night. Oh, the Avengers Infinity <laughs> movie that never that ends? Now, <laughs> Infinity is the right name for that fucking movie because it was never ending. By 1130, I was like, if this isn't over in 10 minutes, mm -hmm. I'm calling it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it was good. You're not the audience for that. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I there were parts I liked. I liked Guardians. I liked yeah. uh, Spider Man. Right. His cameos I thought were. I mean, good. I don't know what else you're supposed to do with that movie because you've been building up to this movie for ten years. You've got fifty different characters you have to give screen time to. Uh, yeah, can you cut I it down just... below two and a half hours? I don't even know. Probably not. But I just it got to a point where I didn't care. It's yeah. like I don't care if Thanos wins or loses. Right. Like, just let this movie be over. But now you know who Thanos is. That's true. I mean, I knew who Thanos was because I watched Guardians. That's right. I yeah. guess he was in that. Yeah. As like a looming figure of doom. True. He was never like a big part in it. No. He's until always in the this background. movie. Yeah. yeah. They were building up to this one. You know what? It's weird to me that they even did Guardians for a long time. When that movie came out, I thought like I know kind of who that who the Guardians of the Galaxy are. But mainstream culture, like, who gives a shit about these characters? Well, and they made movie, us give a shit. Well, that's the yeah. thing. Is it ended up being awesome. And that's I think great. The, the reason that they introduced them is because they knew they needed that to lead up to the Thanos movie that we just saw. You think so, they were planning that out? Because they have one of the I stones. Guess so. Yeah, and yeah. He needs to fill his glove, and then one of those rocks comes from his Guardians, so you got to have a Guardian. I mean, chicken or the egg, though. Did they do Thanos because Guardians was such a big hit that they were like, oh, we should incorporate this bad guy into right. this universe and have it be, and then we can bring right. in Guardians? Like, I which think it chicken was, or the egg? I think it was part of the plan. Because you're coordinating like 15 to 25 different movies, you know, in sequence, knowing you need a gauntlet movie at some point and you need the guard like i would imagine it's probably carefully orchestrated however still a risky move because no one knows who the guardians are yeah except for comic book people Chris i mean Pratt. what would they have done if that had been a flop because i would imagine like from a producer standpoint god we are really going off on tangents but yeah. <laughs> from, a, <laughs> from a producer standpoint yeah this is a big risk going mm -hmm. with a movie like guardians and banking like your whole big yeah. evil person in the avengers movie is right. on this one little movie villain yeah. that might tank well they would have canceled the sequel because the sequel doesn't well, right they matter. wouldn't have done the sequel yeah the first one sets up the guardians guard the jewel or the stone or whatever right and that's it the second one you don't need to get to thanos or would they just have chosen a different villain like not thanos yeah i don't know i just burped you can cut that out <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that i can i was mid-sentence when you burped sorry <laughs> I'll do my best. So unbecoming of me. <laughs> <laughs> we did. I did just make like a dinner of andouille sausage and like onions and, and so <laughs> we're both in pretty stanky burps oh, right now. Oh man, just be lucky you're not here, listeners. Even my like microphone cover, I can like smell that andouille sausage. Smell your garlic and <laughs> um, yeah. Man, on that note, let's actually so, get to our topic. Let's get to uh, New Year's res resolutions or whatever. No, it's not New Year's resolutions. We're talking about, because it's the end of the year, mm -hmm. we're looking back at 2018 and we're going to kind of discuss some of our, I don't I don't like the word failure, but like, mm -hmm. our, like wins and losses or like things that we really think we did right and then maybe one or two things that we think that we right. did wrong. Okay. So why don't we start with you talking about your failure and then I'll tell you what I think your failure was. Go. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm do it. <laughs> That's a marriage not, killer. <laughs> I'd rather not sleep alone tonight. Um, 
are we starting with failure or like the like what we did wrong or should we um, do one of each or how do we so why don't we go positive let's do positive and negative start positive then negative sure okay. um and we'll so try to end up positive again we'll do a sandwich a positive sandwich okay isn't that what it's called when you email somebody you try yeah to make that's it like up. a critique like you sandwich yeah. the positive criticisms in between the negative ones. then you put a bunch of shit you don't like and then at the end you say but I, but blah but, blah but it was so funny yeah, but yeah. you have great shoes <laughs> I do have great shoes. Thank you. Um, oh. Just <laughs> hitting the mic, this burping glass, this into glass the glass of wine. <laughs> stuff. Oh man. Okay. So for me, I think the first thing that I did really well in 2018 was I went out and ventured outside of my traditional publisher, and I self-published my book, Callback. And I was really nervous to do it because, like, I had another, like, I had a couple of books that were self-published, but I didn't really do anything to to make that a success. I just sort of was like, eh, I'm just going to put these out there into the world. This one, I had, like, a marketing plan, and it was, mm. it was a very intentional, like, I think I can make actually more money doing this than right. I can with a publisher. Right. And I set out to do it, and it was very scary, and there was some upfront costs that were surprising. Like, uh, I spent a lot more money than I expected to upfront, but it was maybe the best decision of the year because I've made back that money, and it's doing very well. And mm-hmm. um, as a whole, like, the ownership and and that, and that the um, power that I have over that creativity has is, is been very rewarding, both right. financially and emotionally. Yeah. It's so, funny. You kind of went Image Comics. As my people would say. Yeah, image, self-pub. but I mean, it's it's even beyond image. Like we don't, I had to pay for my own editor. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's image helps you with stuff. They should, they don't, you're not required to have an editor at image. Oh, really? Yeah, but you oh. should. Well, we, then we what does image do for you as a self-published comic artist <laughs> they, they take, or writer? To their credit, they take as little as possible. The, for people listening to this and publishing outside of comics, image comics is... Um, number three publisher of comics they sprung up in the 90s by seven creators who put their middle fingers up at marvel and dc and they decided to start their own publisher called image and the idea was that the image would own nothing they would take a small fee for um you know publishing it and basically leave you alone so if you ever have a movie made of your book image takes zero they do take royalties off of um some back end but it's really is as little as possible but like they really get you is. into diamond like so you get yes. national distribution type thing yep. okay so you get real distribution you get real a real book printed on paper that goes into stores comic book shops will put your book next to marvel and dc right and then with this with you it's different it's all digital yeah this is this is ebooks and well that's not true we have print on demand so like hmm. amazon people can order paperbacks if they want um right. it's just printed on demand can you tell how many people have actually printed oh yeah book out yeah that's part of my royalties i just don't i said that word really weird royalties royalties i hear it i said it's not like grover swearing (laughs) (laughs) that's a that's a weird deep cut (laughs) um anyway that's part of my royalties and part of my sales and so yeah i can absolutely see how many people buy paperback versus ebook and Mm -hmm. i mean ebook is way more way more sales than paperback but still make a decent little chunk of change yeah. and um going to signings and stuff is where most of the paperback sales come from right yeah it's funny in my industry there's a need to collect the artifact whatever the artifact is so yeah. the toy the shirt the whatever and the comic with the hardcover and the back matter there's a trophy aspect to it wanting it on your shelf and you know yeah with you guys, I mean, there is that a little, a little bit, not as much as with you though, because right. we don't have art inside. You know, it's like I, I think that there are readers out there who, when there's a book that they love, yes, they want to get a paperback, and then they usually want to get it signed. So mm-hmm. they'll come meet you at a at a signing or at a convention, right. and and then that's what goes on to their yeah. collector's shelf. Do you think uh, for my next graphic novel that I should uh, self pub? through amazon or something i i think you would do very well doing um a self-pub thing but i mean you also have a very different trajectory for your career you know dc is mm-hmm. a whole different beast and what you're doing now is is yeah. very cool so well i mean i mean we've been i don't want to like reveal one of your ideas and i'm not going to on the air but like you have <laughs> such a cool idea for an indie book that i feel like i've been waiting for years for you to create so the team book 
It's a team of people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, a, a what? A teen? A teen. <laughs> like teenagers? Yeah. No, team. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I I feel like you should definitely pause at some point and do that book because mm-hmm. it's such a good idea. Oh, thank you. I didn't and you... I think that that's a very saleable. You know, I didn't know you were that interested in that book because I've been rethinking it, maybe doing like a solo Hellboy type character instead. Well, I mean, you could, of course, but it's, I, and you know your audience more than I know your audience. Like for me, that the team book, we'll call it, yeah. um, is much more what I enjoy and what right. I like to read and what I like to consume, but I mm-hmm. might not be your, your ideal reader. So it doesn't yeah. necessarily matter what I think. Um, Interesting. Yeah. No, it does matter. It's, I your, think, it's your money too. No, I, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, your client more than I do. So if, if you know, like, well, this will be more successful than that mm-hmm. then you need to follow that instinct um yeah. but i do think you would do very well self-pubbing so let's talk about instinct about instinct business decisions this goes into the thing that you wish you had done better i believe uh yes okay i'm your, trying to remember which yeah yeah <laughs> so the thing that you wish you had done better is is like follow my gut follow my instinct more because mm-hmm. i mean in some ways you could argue that the thing i did well of self-publishing this book and going without my publisher is that I did follow my instinct in that time and it worked very well, but I second guess myself mm. way too much. And I'm sure that stems from some mm-hmm. dark seated insecurity. No, I mean to, to cut in for a second, is that the cat? That's the cat scratching oh, to get in. I need to get like a Nerf dart gun just to shoot the cat when it she comes in. She wants to hang out with us. We never hang out up here. You know what? This podcast <laughs> is paying for money that we can buy her food with. If she knew what we could for her, she would <laughs> shut the fuck up. But she loves us. Not love us. She loves us out of her recording room. Oh, man. Um, Anyway, so trusting my gut more. It's not your fault, though, because publishing has worked the same way for hundreds of years. You need a publisher. You have some kind of editing process. The artist, Mm -hmm. writer, produces the book, comes out. They distribute it. However, you know, ox-drawn cart. It's buses, you know, internet, whatever. So the idea of self-pubbing and going against this standard... Because even right. when you went to school, they didn't teach you how to self-pub. You know? Well, I didn't really go to school for this. But you're right. There, That wasn't a it thing. Wasn't I think option. like one of the first... Oh, gosh. I wish I knew the actual year. I want to say 2013, but I might yeah. be wrong about that. But I mean, publishing um, a book on the internet didn't start until the year like... I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know the when year it, that it was. But it was the, recent. The year from the year 1998 to 2010, somewhere in there, I'm guessing. But like successfully, <laughs> people who started yeah. making real, like real livings off right. of self-publishing, I so think was what, way did, more recent. When did Stephen King's books start getting published online would be the question because that's got to be the Well, that's a different thing. Ebooks are different than self-publishing. Because oh. self-publishing didn't, was not synonymous with ebooks. But um, when, so the ebooks came first. I believe ebooks again. I'm not the person to. to talk about this, but I believe ebooks came first, and then with that, people learned like mm-hmm. they could make a PDF and sell right. it on Amazon or what you have the, you. I mean, so yeah, ebooks and, and self-pubbing were kind of circling the drain at the same time, and in the last ten years, it became more viable, more viable to go that well, route. Well, and there were people literally making like hundreds of thousands yes. of dollars off of more viable this yeah. because they they were just keeping all the royalties. You have and, to go through. You have, to, you have to say no to hundreds of years of tradition to say, I don't need an agent. I don't and need... And you were pushing back against tons of people saying like, yeah. well, are you really published or right. are you Amazon published? And so, like, even still, I get people right. who say like, well, is this book in Barnes and Noble? Right. And part of me wants to always ask like, do you shop at Barnes and Noble? And the answer is mm-hmm. nine out of 10 times no. Right. They shop on Amazon. But for some reason, that's still the like considered in our minds to be like a legit... Mm-hmm. book a legit author is when it's found so what, what took you so million. long to start um rebelling and publishing well, your own I stuff well ca- i got contracts from publishers so it's hard to turn down advances mm-hmm. and and those contracts when they come in and i you know i did very well with my publishers i don't want to shit on them like they i i did like a lot of where <laughs> i was huh? wine went down their own pipe <laughs> Um, so I, I had very good experiences with my publishers with the exception of like a couple of things, but nothing's ever perfect, you know, Mm -hmm. in the same way that I had a really good experience with self-publishing, but a couple of things I would do differently. Um, the difference is with self-publishing, I look at the things that I could have done differently and I can actually change those things Mm -hmm. versus traditional publishing. The things that didn't go right for me, I can't. 
there's nothing I can do about that. Like I, the, if I continue traditional publishing, those things that were frustrating are always going to be frustrating. Right. So that was the beauty yeah. of self-publishing. There's a tendency too of established publishers not recognizing trends like they think they do. It's true. I mean, and there's, I feel like a lot of traditional publishers are trying to play catch up still for eBooks and trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to make this lucrative and... Right. I don't know that there's an answer. Like they can never offer a 70% royalty like Amazon can. So I have a, a theory about why publishers are at least slightly behind on genre trends. I think publishing, when you, need, when you label something a hit, you need to wait for the data to come in. You need to see the sales. You need to wait till the end of the year, the end of the quarter, the tax year, whatever. You need to calculate it all to soft covers, hard covers, whatever. Yeah. And then they can stand by the water cooler and have their meeting and go, oh, Katana Collins had a hit. But when you're self-pubbing and you're more freelancing it, you're not in these meetings looking for data at a publisher. You're actually just online gauging feedback. You can sense a trend much quicker because that's your gauge of, is this working? Mm-hmm. People, I'm getting 10 emails a day. That's unusual. I'm getting this. I'm getting that. I'm seeing the spike on Amazon, which is data. Yeah. But that's sort of where your litmus test is. It's quicker than their litmus test. So they need to wait long. They, you're much because you're more streetwise than them, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I think that's why you and me, to some extent, can recognize trends faster. Like, guys, well, listen, I think this is a new genre. I know you guys want vampires, but trust me, I think this is a new thing. They don't know what the new fair, thing is until they see it in the data. To be fair, I mean, I have to keep my hand on one pulse, and they have 50, 60, 100, 200 authors that are publishing every month that they're trying to track and keep up with. And right. I mean, in some ways, when like they're trying to keep their hands on a million pulses, and right. I'm just watching yeah. four books or whatever it is. And right. But no, that's interesting, though. It's the hubris. Because if they, you have an overworked, underpaid editor at these publishers, right? Probably. Who has way too much to do and can't always pay attention to you. Right. Right? Have they ever asked you, what do you think? You need to do what is your sense of this like i colleen i'm your editor i wish i had more time to review your book i admit i i'm not as engaged with this as i want to be because i just am overwhelmed what do you think have they ever asked you that no or are they more to say like this is what we think no i mean typically like you submit a book they either like it enough to buy it or they don't like it and they tell you right. thanks but no thanks right um and then you submit a book and they send you edits on that book and that's right. kind of that um it's the same in my industry is i've never had an editor and i know all the editors that i've worked with are overpaid sorry underpaid and overworked and none of them has ever said i'm sorry i just didn't get around to this in time i'm not i mean in touch with this like i want to be do you think you need my help or do you want like then no one will ever level with me usually they speak from a stance of authority that we are the publisher we've been doing this for a while we know better than you generally what they say i that's not exactly the conversations that i've had with my editors my editors really do have like legit conversations with me where they'll say things like you know, this, this character's motivation, I'm not sure I buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, do you, are you really sold on this or are you willing to rework it? And like, sometimes they'll push harder on things and sometimes they'll push less on things. Right. Um, but like, there, there have been definite conversations where I've, I've wanted to keep something the same and I've fought for it. But mm-hmm. more often than not, it, and this comes back full circle to me not trusting my gut, is... When someone tells me something about my book, like an editor, I immediately go into the the mindset of, well, they they must know better than me. Does this connect at all to your possible need to be liked and accepted? My, care my think? love of applause as an actor. <laughs> you need that one audience member in the back who happens to be your editor. Well, to I... Applause. Applaud. I Perhaps, but I do think it's more about, I don't want to be the person who thinks that they're their book is flawless. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to sit here and be like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm a genius. Like that's, I want to hear criticism when it comes in and I want to Mm -hmm. be ready to change and adapt because I want my book to be best, the best as it possibly can be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I know so many people who they close themselves off from criticism that I think I almost overreach right. with that. And I'm too too much of like, give me your criticism. And then I change things that I probably shouldn't have changed. And that's something that happened this year with a book that went to an editor. And it's not the editor's fault. She had suggestions. I 
I took those suggestions because I she's an editor and she's a very smart editor. Mm-hmm. I rewrote two thirds of the book, and as I got two thirds of the way through, I realized, fuck, this is not going to work. Mm-hmm. And I had mm-hmm. to rewrite all of the rewrites that I had just done and go back to the way it was, and it was painful. Yeah. Well, sometimes suggestions make sense. Like I can imagine being on the phone with an editor and them saying something, like maybe she said, "Fix this," and you were like. That makes a lot of sense. I'm going to fix it. Right. And then you sit down with the script and you you slowly realize that's not going to work. Right. And, and unfortunately, I just very slowly You just have to it. kill that character off. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something, I mean, God bless the soul of the editor that thinks that that's a good suggestion. They're doing their job. But some of those decisions are on the ground decisions. It's a command decision that the writer needs to make. And yeah, you don't want to be closed off to criticism and be a prima donna. But right. you also... Um, want to stand firm you know you're right right so that would be my I, again i don't know what we're using failure for the year my it's your failure. Uh, <laughs> it's, I, I it's one of my losses for the year is like <laughs> that i didn't kind of trust my gut with that story that where right. i was going with it was was the correct way and right. i cost myself probably an extra six months of work because I of feel it like tell me if i'm wrong i think i was on you for a while to just i would always say who cares it's self-publish who yeah. cares? Just do it. I mean, you know better than they do. I, I was always on the side of self-publishing. I'm not looking for an I told you so. <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't know. Aren't just you? Just the way we're wired. <laughs> no, you were. You were kind of just like, oh, who needs this? But you're also the person who's like, what? You, your romance doesn't need a happily ever after. And I do think it does. Like, I, do we talk about the happily ever after stickers? I don't think we have. Or the trigger warning stickers. So, Oh, my God. There's that, too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I'd say that's less and less now in my industry, but so there quick, used to you're, be. Let me describe it the way I see it, even oh, though it's not true. So in, in Colleen's industry, in Katana's industry, um, if the book does not have a happy ending, that is bound to piss off readers. So they have a sticker on the front that says, not a happy ending, which yeah. I think is hilarious. But if that's what the market says, then hey, I'm a capitalist, so... I, it sounds weird, but I guess I get well, it. Well, there's, I mean, there's t- many... The trigger sp- warning sticker, I... There's many of. schools of thought in that romance as a genre has a happily ever after. It mm-hmm. ends happily. <laughs> or what is known <laughs> as happy for now, if it's like a sequel. <laughs> um, happy for, for now. For now. Um, <laughs> um, but when you think about it, isn't that what every movie genre also gives? You have an expectation for certain genres. You right. don't go to a romantic comedy yep. and then have someone die halfway through. Like that's. Have you ever seen a Star Is Born? <laughs> that's not a romantic comedy. That's like a. There were funny parts. <laughs> no, but they did not categorize that as a. So comedy. if you had a Meg Ryan rom- rom-com. And right, and then Tom Hanks the dies. Like right. that's not what the. If they viewer... did have it though, you wouldn't have a sticker on it that said, "By the way." No, but they wouldn't. Tom Hanks. They would not it. advertise it or market it as a romantic comedy. They would probably end up like, um, what was that movie with her and Nicolas Cage? Angel. Um, the angel oh, yeah, movie. City of Angels. City of Angels. Like, right. Meg Ryan movie, but not marketed as, like, her typical. Mm-hmm. Like, it was very much, like, all the ads were very... Like, you could tell something somber was going to happen. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I just totally forgot about that movie. <laughs> Going back 25 years With his now. duster, right? Didn't you wear, like, Yeah, with his duster. long Highlander coat and yeah. his, his somber look. So, I, so like, I don't know. I, I get it. But also then you have authors no, like no, Nicholas wait. Sparks who you do label, kill off their people. The movies label themselves by R, PG-13, PG, whatever. You don't have labels like, this doesn't end well. You do with marketing. That's what's different about your I feel like with industry. marketing you do. Like, they don't, like, you have a horror movie and you know... You have like an expectation of what's going to happen in this mm-hmm. horror movie. You have a romantic comedy. Yeah, <laughs> everybody dies. Sticker. Right, <laughs> like you no. have a romantic comedy. You know, essentially, like well, what you you're know, getting into. If you know, you don't need the sticker. Right, but that's what I'm saying. If you're in the romance genre mm-hmm. and you're going to do something outside of what the romance genre does, that's when people get upset because they've opened your book. They have an expectation for your book, mm-hmm. and then you don't deliver that if you kill off a character. But why is your industry the only industry that labels a product, fictional product like this, like a, you know, with this sticker? No other industry does it. Music, you have like adult know. ratings. I don't so know. what is it about your readers that need a happy ending that are going to flip out if they get to the end and 
Nicolas Cage dies. <laughs> but again, I think that like re- that people who go to see movies would also flip out. And it's just so, marketed properly. So, Brokeback Mountain. I was reading a thing recently how uh, they did not know how oh, to market yeah. that movie. I, I and that. you look at the original posters for that. It's just a cowboy movie with two dudes. Yeah. <laughs> There's no hint of anal <laughs> or anything like that. It's, it's amazing. And uh, I do like that movie. I was listening to the it's soundtrack the other day. Um, it's a really great soundtrack. Um, but you, I do feel bad for the person that went in thinking like, yeehaw, let's see. <laughs> and suddenly it's like, zip. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> and, um, you know, a lot of people were surprised and probably still enjoyed the movie. A lot of people probably annoyed that they were mismarketed. Um, sure. But, uh, yeah, it didn't. there's no sticker on that. So there was not a sticker. There are two boners in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no vaginas. Oh, my God. There were vaginas. They just weren't sexualized. There were vaginas? They were married. Back? They were both married. You never saw no, like, you didn't. a That's vagina what I'm saying. They weren't in action. Sexual. No, you didn't. <laughs> I mean, you did see a dick in action, but you assumed just off below the frame there were dicks in action uh, anyway <laughs> shall we move on to what you're i think this is the best part of the podcast right here <laughs> you might be right, right. dicks in action dicks in action the name of this podcast <laughs> the uh, t- mctwangy story uh wait what is his name rodeo rodeo mctwangy rodeo mctwangy <laughs> that's the sequel that's yeah brokeback mountain too Rodeo McTwangy, Dicks in Action. <laughs> oh my god. You know what? That doesn't need a label because it's all in the title. Uh, all right. So my regret or um, success this year. I I think the, the smartest thing I did this year that worked the best is get off of Twitter for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to tweet like 30 times a day, just socially interacting, mostly with my friends we would, it was fun to make jokes to each other on Twitter and have all Twitter watching. And then you kind of make a joke that's like slightly darker and it's like, ooh, you said it on Twitter and it, you know. Mm. But it became clear to me that those days are over because of the political landscape, because of Twitter, because of outrage, culture, justified a lot of, most of the time, whatever. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I just have too much to lose. I've got a Batman book coming out. My, my you know, ha yuck, yuck jokes, you know, me being antagonist on Twitter does doesn't add anything and you know when i do get into a sparring match with a stranger it's just not worth the calories that i would burn you know well one thing i know that stuck with me when like uh when i went to therapy was a therapist would say like what it this is robbing you of peace is this robbing you of peace of mind and is that worth it and right i that's how i feel a lot about twitter is like it just a lot of social media in general steals my personal yeah. inner peace and I'm yeah I don't see a lot of good in being on it um, right. with the exception of like Instagram because I find for me personally Instagram is a very happy place <laughs> I hate Instagram because I have no idea who's commented on me there's no th- thing you can pull down to say here are the 10 comments you got on different pictures you don't like the format of it I but, don't no yeah. it's designed okay. well in its in its defense it's designed to cut down on drama right there's indirectly. far less trolling yeah like when someone com- when I comment on somebody they're not always going to see it because they don't get pinged they're not going to re- scroll through and find my comment and respond and a lot of times when you respond it just goes into the void mm-hmm. um, but yeah so yeah something turned this year probably a lot of things and I, I realized that um, as much as I love debating people and, and being um, controversial and sparring with people on Twitter, it's just it's robbing me of my peace. Um, you know, you get that dopamine hit whenever you check. Like, we're wired to know is anyone in your tribe talking about you? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You want to know what people think yeah, about you. Yeah, you get like, a like and then you get a hit of dopamine. And this yeah. is why it's translated like dopamine. Like, so it's honest. Like, every time you have a second, you pull out your phone on a red light in traffic, which is stupid. You're like, what are they saying? What are they saying? What are they saying? Right. I get why we're wired that way, but I'm trying to fight that urge. And I've been much happier um, getting off of Twitter and not engaging in political debates. Not try, I mean, first of all, with 140 or 200 Man, this is why I get all the political debates in our kitchen while I'm cooking. Yeah, it basically <laughs> gets kidding. you instead. I have to unload on you or my friends so it doesn't go online. Because yeah. I am a very opinionated person. Yeah. Um, I mean, we both are. We're super, very strongly yeah. strong in our beliefs. Yeah. You know, and honestly, I'm not paid to be a political commentator. Um, I'm paid to do and write comics. So if I can put sort of some of my opinions in the book in the work then that's what i do and that's why you know white knight is sort of a political thriller in a lot of ways um and uh yeah that's sort of been my goal and actually that kind of leads into my failure is when i i failed 
to understand the other side. Um, airplane. <laughs> Flight path. Yeah. Um, I, my information came from liberal vacuum. Uh, Charlie Rose every day, science documentaries, you know, uh, well, oh, of course, when you're in a creative Man, field. Charlie Rose, I know. That, was, that was a hit. <laughs> it's still heartbroken. Yeah, I went through the, like, the five degrees of denial with him. Yeah. Just like, please. And you, you kind of watch me go through oh, it. Oh, I know. Like, maybe it's a false delegation. Maybe like, <laughs> and I, I had to sort of rewire, like, all right, where am I getting my information from? And I started listening to podcasts and uh, I feel so silly or blinded by people who voted for, for Trump. Um, and I, I really want to understand what the hell they're saying and why they, why they think the way they do because I, I don't think they're all evil and uh, I, I want to make an effort to understand. I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. And I feel so blinded again by, by missing the point and I've just been diving into anything I could find in the past year trying to understand what they're saying. I don't want to just see the other side as an enemy, someone to vilify. I really want to listen where they're... I want to be someone who's trying not to just shout and be angry and vindictive and name call. I want to actually try to reach to them and listen. And well, in the same way that you want them to reach out and listen to us. Yeah, people and that are how we believe. You know, I, I, I think that the radicals on both sides get the press and we get the impression that everyone's a radical. And that means a lot of reasonable people. Most yeah. people in the country are reasonable. Yeah. Um, I think that it's easily forgotten. What? You know what's really great during a podcast is chewing on sticky caramel. <laughs> All I hear in my headphones are... <laughs> Slightly in the mood. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> now it's all I can hear. I know. I've <laughs> <laughs> never heard political commentary when someone eating candy before. <laughs> That's when you gotta make it a good point. <laughs> and you have to put it in your mouth as you're talking. <laughs> it's not like you even just waited for me to talk and then chew it. <laughs> Why don't you let me talk and I'll oh just chew. Oh my god, I feel like I talked for the whole first 30 minutes. Um. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> oh no. Good candy. Oh man. <laughs> Here. I don't know. Either. So okay, let's see. I feel like I had another another win, but now I can't think of it. <laughs> oh man. <sighs> well, I know another one of my lose losses, loses, failures. Not a word. <laughs> uh, keep chewing your caramel. Uh, one of my one of my failures this year is my inability to say no. I'm really bad at saying no to people. Colleen, no means no. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Like, I, I'm asked to do things, and I just, I constantly say yes to things, even when I don't want to do it. Yep. And I I remember someone once told me that if the... <laughs> it's stuck in my teeth now. Great. This is good radio. <laughs> Um, I remember someone once told me that if when someone presents you with potentially doing something, if you're not immediately inside thinking like, oh, hell yeah, then the answer should be no. Like right. if you're not super excited for it, you should just say no. Right. And um, I feel like I took on a lot of things that I maybe shouldn't have mm -hmm. this year. Ooh, that's a good one. I, um, I traveled more than I should have. Like even you. That's every year. <laughs> yeah, even you are on me. Like you don't like airplanes. You get panic attacks. You're not good. You know, switching time zones and you know travel whatever. Like yeah. maybe you shouldn't go. Like yeah, a trip or a free invitation to wherever. Japan. Yeah. It's is, enticing, but it's awesome. And you're you're the poverty, poor artist, and you wants to scream yes. It's like yes, yes. This is what happens when you make it. Yes, but yeah. you need to have your brain kick in and go well. Losing money and you're not good at traveling and who's it's more gonna... of a health issue for you. Like it really does take its toll on your health. Yeah, you know, just not wired for exotic travel. Yeah, it's hard for you. I mean, I like being on the white sand beach in the sunset. I like being on the boat or you know doing whatever activity they plan, drinking exotic wine, food. Like if you can just transport me there, awesome. <laughs> um, we need to get a. Uh... What's that from Star Trek? A transporter. Oh yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> or <a> spaceship. 
um, <laughs> but um, you know, as I get older and I start to, I don't know, look at how I spend my time differently and what actually makes me happy and what, what do I need to get the work done? Um, exotic travel is just not a priority like you would think. Yeah. And I'm just as surprised as anybody because, you know, exotic travel when you're in entertainment is like a very rare gift that mostly no one gets. Yeah. And to have that gift, and they know it when they offer it to you. Yeah. And, and I you're mean, like, nope, sorry. It's funny too because it doesn't even have to be exotic. I feel like it's like the one big trip a year is, is fine. But then it's like all the little trips that mm-hmm. start to add up. And then all of a sudden we're traveling once a month for the entire year right. because, you know, I'm going to New Orleans and you're going to Savannah and then you're going to Seattle and then I'm going to Austin. And then, yeah. and it's just like, it, it gets taxing mm-hmm. when you accept all of these. I mean, a trip from Maine to Austin is certainly not a small trip, but right. it's not across an ocean, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it feels a little smaller when it's offered to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, I feel like they add up very quickly and they disrupt kind of the, the yeah. normalcy of life. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, you know, going to Ireland is great. I've been five times. Um, but you know, the last time I went, um, I felt this is like the main countryside. I could be, you know, generally most of the stuff <laughs> I'm seeing here in Ireland, these oh, coastal Maine, villages. Oh, Maine, like our state. Yes, not the state like, of Maine. And not like M-A-I-N. No, okay. didn't he? Got it, got and it, got I thought, it. You know, <laughs> coastal villages and fishing and, you know, beer and whiskey, like I have all of this an hour from my house. I have it in, I can walk to downtown Portland and get that. Like getting on a plane, <laughs> getting my passport and losing sleep and eight hours this way, eight hours that way, disrupting my work schedule is a really worth it, there being a castle next to that seaside village. Sure. And, and for some people, that is worth it. Like I that's, know. I mean, everyone has different values and everyone has right. different, you know, yeah. things that they, they want out of life. And, and I, I'm not, I don't want to sound elitist. It's easier to say that because and you've not, been there. And I'm so. not complaining, but I yeah. do value like the simple, easy things that you can do without getting on a plane, without no, I, I'm disrupting the same your way. schedule. That's like why the small things good do, together. do mean more now. Yeah. That's why we're good together. I'm happiest in pajamas with coffee and my dogs. <laughs> And Sean, I guess. Why are we married? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I would say for my final like 2018 thing that I think I did very well Mm -hmm. is I successfully learned Facebook ads. And (laughs) as a result, my sales, as we've kind of talked about, touched on earlier in the episode, have like skyrocketed for my self-pub books Mm -hmm. because I've learned how to put a $5 ad down and make, you know, 400% 400% back from that $5 ad. Right. Um, so that's my other. Yeah. What about, what's your final sandwich positive oh, thing? positive. Yeah. Um, I know I forgot what mine was. <laughs> it came back to me last minute. Um, for me, the final thing that I'm most happy with this year was um, getting, you. so the book, The White Knight sold so well and dc trusts me enough where i can sort of have more freedom in um the second volume and it's not that i'm even looking to do anything controversial at all mostly i just feel better knowing when i can say to them hey i'm not gonna tell you when to publish issue one until i'm done issue five so don't fucking rush me relax (laughs) like i can sort of play that card more and mean it I'm not going to do nudity or, you know, so much swearing or make it an adult book or, you know, whatever they're worried about. I'm not trying to push the limits in that way um, like some other books are. I just want to be left alone and I want understanding that it's getting done. Just leave me alone. I'm going to get it done, you know. As before, <laughs> That's they, such they, a Sean thing to say. <laughs> that? Which just, part? Just the whole, like, I just, I just want to be left alone. Just leave me just, alone. Trust me, I'm going to get it done. <laughs> Yeah. And you're right. Like you do. Like you have some of the best work ethic I've ever seen in anybody. Thanks. Um, But there, there's gotta be some like power that comes with that. Like with having a a book that does kind of surprisingly well, like a sleeper hit. Yeah. That white night was. Their attitude on on the volume one was, Hey, this looks great. Love you as an artist. You know, the story's a little political, whatever. We're going to get you through this. And then we're going to put you back in a book that sells. Uh, they never hmm. said those words. I'm just paraphrasing. Sure. Um, but as the sales came in, they're like, "Oh, well, things have changed." It's like they started to, they had to reassess me, and go, "Oh, you're sort of a Frank Miller type." Okay, so what do you want? 
And mm-hmm. I just said, I don't want more money. I don't want, you know, just give me a new contract. Here's the book I want to do. Don't try to double ship me, meaning putting a book out every two weeks. Oh, I remember when just they were talking about Just single ship me. That. Here's the title. Like, don't fuck with any of this very basic stuff. Like, don't try to screw with it at the last minute. Just give me these very simple, easy things right. and leave me alone and I'll be happy. And that's what they're doing. So it's a small thing, but... <laughs> I'm surprised that there wasn't more in your wins and losses this year of like White Knight. <laughs> oh, more wins? Yeah, like I'm surprised that like oh, this being such a big seller wasn't a win of yours or. Oh yeah, it's a yeah. I mean that's, that's too like, obvious that's, and that's easy. Really, that's, <laughs> that's the backbone to everything we're talking about. I mean, how many times have I dropped White Knight talking about the book? I figure like you know that's already kind of understood at this point. Right, right. Um, I'm trying to think of something new. Maybe I haven't said before. Yeah, okay. That's fair. It's all about entertainment. <laughs> Chewing some caramel into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> we're, so we're in the keto diet. Oh, and, yeah. Maybe uh, that's one of our wins this year. We're sugar-free. And um, it's like we're the original. It's it's basically like a Tootsie Roll, but caramel. No, it's like, ta- like it's caramel. It's, yeah, yeah. it's caramel. Taffy-ish. And uh, I noticed that you spend twice as much money on sugar-free candy, and you get oh a bag that's God. filled with like five things. And uh, I think they just assume like, so oh, expensive. rich asshole, elitist motherfuckers who are, who just want sugar-free candy probably don't care what it costs. So let's just charge them quadruple. Yeah, it's basically what it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is super expensive, unfortunately. Um, you know, hey, they're not wrong. I'm happy to buy it. <laughs> It's good. I guess you couldn't tell by the way I was chewing into the microphone. I mean, it is it does, it is pretty tasty, and it hits that craving when you want something. Um, the worry is we're going to turn into those. I think keto people are going to be the new CrossFit, the paleo CrossFitters. Yeah. yeah, where you can't talk about anything else. Oh my god, have you tried keto? Oh man, no, you haven't done it the right way. It's no, like I'm eating. I'm eating oh, cheese, and I'm eating butter. No one cares. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well. Um, so I guess that's that's pretty much it for this episode. That's it. Um, we we have to try to think of what our next episode is going to be. In the meantime, on January sixth, one of my books, Capturing You, is going to be free for five days on Kindle Unlimited, or not Kindle Unlimited, just on Amazon mm-hmm. on Kindle. Um, so you can go grab a copy, or grab a copy for your spouse, or your wife, or your husband, or whoever likes reading romance. Um, I'm on Instagram at katana collins sean is on instagram as a handle that he never knows um yeah i forget it's like sean g murphy or sean murphy or i don't don't know it's okay don't (laughs) it's the problem sean never knows what i don't need to plug plug. um (laughs) and if you have any show topic ideas feel free to email in we are at talk flirty to me podcast at gmail.com and uh that's it thanks everybody happy new year everyone happy new year all right bye Talk flirty to me. Talk, talk, talk romance. Take, take, take a chance. Talk.